ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, welcome to the most amazing interview show on the Information Superhighway! Now zooming to you live and simultaneously from two secret studio bunkers in dual time zones located somewhere south of Alaska, east of Area 51, north of Guantanamo. And if I give you one more clue, we'll all be in deep trouble. It's the amazing twin namesakes separated at birth, the two most famous guys not in witness protection. It's Coffee with Jim and James! Good morning, LinkedIn community. Welcome to another episode of Coffee with Jim and James. Well, if you know me, again... You might notice that I'm back in my uniform, which is a little bit uh, peculiar given the state of the everything going on lately, but uh, today is a very special reason I have this back on. So if you've seen me at conferences, this is what I normally wear. Uh, our guest today, who James is gonna introduce in a second, uh, we've known her for years, uh, have much respect, uh, a lot of praise, a lot of great things she does for our industry. So out of that respect, I thought I would put on the, the uniform again and uh, me too, Jimmy. you know me I've been wearing a hoodie for six months I think I noticed that James so even anyway, cut my hair <laughs> that means you you shaved your head not cut your hair but that's semantics so James how are you doing today and would you please give us the honor of introducing our esteemed guest today absolutely I'm doing awesome uh, all things considered, I'm blessed. Blessed to be busy is what I keep saying to people. I think that's our new hashtag. Um, and thank you, Aaron. You you have no idea how happy I am that you're on because that means Jim's uh, all squared away and acting. You know, he's not acting out, which is always a good sign. Uh, but I would be honored to introduce Miss Aaron Carilla. Uh, Aaron is the VP of Operations and Pipeline Safety at APGA, uh, and a longtime friend of ours as well. Uh, Aaron, I don't know if you remember it. Um, I'm blessed with a memory. But uh, we, I met you for the first time, actually, at a Texas Gas Association event. Um, uh, I believe you were speaking at, maybe. And then uh, we actually were blessed to have Aaron join us uh, at our conference this past year as well at Texas Motor Speedway. Yep. So, Aaron, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. I'm honored to honored. be invited to join you guys for coffee. She has no, obviously, you haven't watched it. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> honored is, is not a word anybody has used yet. Um, but we are very, very thrilled that you're here joining us today. Thank you Absolutely. so much. Yeah, it's great. I actually, um, have gotten a chance to hear you speak about the APGA and other things. And I think probably that's probably a good starting point. Why don't you give us a little insight into the APGA um, and uh, public gas systems and such like that. And uh, just give our viewers a little bit of the overall of that. Sure. Uh, thanks so much for having me again. Um, the American Public Gas Association, who I've been with now right at three years, believe it or not, time is really an interesting uh, measure of things these days, but uh, joined them about three years ago and we represent publicly owned gas utility systems, um, of which people are surprised to learn there's over a thousand in the country. And I like to say that although 750 of the thousand are APGA members, uh, we really represent all thousand, right? 
Um, and a little known fact that I wanted to just kind of put a plug in, in um, while talking to you guys is for any public gas system that's less than has less than 500 customers, we just grant them APGA membership for free. Oh wow! Um, and wait, so, oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. Let's let's say that we again. get something away for free. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean it's really important to us. We know that those you know, frankly, super small systems out there, you know, don't necessarily have the resources to join even a regional or local trade association. But so much of what we do and so much of the information we disseminate, we think is really important to push out to those guys. So uh, if, if you have less than five, if you're a public gas system with less than 500 customers, you're actually an APGA member, whether you wrote us a truck or not. Um, and again, that's just to get you guys our publications and to make sure that you're abreast of all the different pipeline safety issues that are going on and all the different things happening up on Capitol Hill that you might be interested in. Um, so that's APGA. We represent public gas systems. Um, really, we work very, very closely with AGA, kind of our sister trade association that represents investor-owned utilities. And especially on the pipeline safety front, I think, um, I love, you know, I came from AGA, which maybe is a little bit, but so did my predecessor, right? John Erickson actually came yep. from AGA over to yep. APGA in the 90s. So we have a long history together, working together on advocacy issues. And so I'm really glad to be able to kind of carry that legacy forward and, um, and work with who I used to work with when I was over at AGA. Um, and then when I think about... Uh, yeah, Jim or James, excuse me. No, 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 go keep going. I'll ask him in a second. Keep going. You're good. Okay. Um, well, I guess some people kind of wonder, I guess, what the difference is with a publicly owned gas system and an investor owned. And um, the average public gas system actually only has 25 employees. So we're significantly smaller than the average investor owned. And the reason for that is that when um, after World War II, when a lot of the nation's kind of pipeline infrastructure and backbone were being built, um, investor-owned utilities, frankly, didn't see the return on investment and to going into some more of the rural communities, especially through the Southeast. So if you kind of think about the Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi kind of corridor, um, as they were building pipelines down to the Gulf, or from the Gulf, excuse me, up north, I, it wasn't that long ago that we started going from north to south. Um, but back then when we were going south to north, um, these communities decided that they wanted access to natural gas. They wanted to bring gas to their community. And even though the investor owns, you know, frankly, they, they represent their shareholders, right? They didn't see that return on investment. The community decided to go ahead and build the infrastructure themselves. So that's part of what that that legacy is what um, is really at the culture of APGA's membership that kind of can do serving the community. Um, it's really at the core of the culture around APGA and that kind of familial attitude really just kind of resonates and still exists in 2020 today. Um, and it makes it really a fun group to work with um, a really a lot of pride in in their system and in what they do for their community. And I was just oh I'm sorry. Go, go just quick question. You mentioned yes. a lot of, and I didn't mean to interrupt you before, but you were hitting on, you know, some are 25, 50 people, you know, smaller entities. Um, are some of these and we call them and correct me if I'm wrong, but I call them munis or municipalities, mm -hmm. an acceptable term. 
Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people use that synonymously. We try to say publicly owned just because that comes in all sorts of shapes and forms. Some are, you know, multiple counties and utility boards. We see that a lot in states like Tennessee. Um, we, ha we have a couple cooperative members as well um, because technically they're still publicly owned utilities. Um, so yeah, munis, counties, utility boards, like they're all kind of in our bucket, if you will. And some get big too. I mean, yeah. like we have friends at Sevier County in Tennessee and they're, uh, you, you know, the Sevier County folks and they're- Yes, yeah, shout out to Matt, hey. Um, yep. <laughs> we'll tag them um, in too. Good yeah, I mean, so some of our biggest members that people might not realize are publicly owned are places like Philadelphia, Memphis, Tennessee, Colorado Springs, Long Beach out in California are all publicly owned gas utilities. Yeah. So the parallel I like to give people is that like, at least in where I live in Vienna, Virginia, our public, we have publicly owned water, right? So you have a municipally owned water system, very common, right? Um, you can just kind of translate that to a publicly owned gas utility as well. And some some cities and localities have everything, you know, water, wastewater, electric, gas, broadband, you know, all of it is uh, a publicly owned utility. Interesting. We, we, we service a lot of the same industry, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. so, so that rings true. Aaron, one, one thing that uh, I've always been... Um, impressed with you about is really your passion for what you do. Um, you mentioned something at our conference and it, I, you kind of went in full out, like you just geeked out on some, I, I mean, you really did I, in a good way, right? I'm, I'm a nerd, man. I'm, I'm the first one. I'm in the in the data and I'm pouring through things, but you kind of went on a tangent in one of our panels. And one thing that kind of rang from it was your passion for what you do. Um, so, you, you spoke a little bit about AGA and, and how, you know, you made the transition to the public side. Tell us a little bit about that passion and how it drove you really from, from going to school all the way to where you landed. Sometimes, I don't know if it's just me, sometimes I look around and go, I never thought I would be, especially today, yeah. this all, right? um, I, I look around and go, I, I didn't really foresee this, but man, I feel like I'm home. Sure. Um, well, I guess I'll give people a little bit of my bio. I went to school for chemical engineering in Pittsburgh. Um, and when I graduated, and actually while I started interning in the summer there as a chemical engineering intern, I decided to get a job with the local gas company, which was Equitable Gas, that actually worked in their midstream department. Um, and they're now known as EQT and really kind of just happened to be working in an industry that was booming with Marcellus Shale, just really at the forefront um, of that and fell in love. I think I just enjoy people I th the most and I enjoy getting to know folks and I enjoy learning from folks that have come before me. And I think that what really resonates with me is the fact that the gas, it, the gas industry as a whole and especially the gas utility industry is we all work together and it's not a super competitive like environment you know we all have the same goals and i think i really stuck with pipeline safety because nothing is more true than everybody pushing towards the same goal and um, when we all want to keep the gas in the pipe 
um, then it's so easy to get passionate about that, right? It's so easy to kind of lay your head on your pillow at night and go to sleep feeling good that you've really tried to make um, the communities safer. And that's why I think even taking all that passion and then bringing it to a community-owned um, membership, um, it's easy for me, right? It's easy to kind of say, hey, I help people make sure that they operate safely. Like, who doesn't want to do that day in and day out, I guess? That's our vision as a company, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, on the EWN side, our vision is to make the world a safe place to work. So yep. uh, we agree. Um, right. Wholeheartedly. Jim, you just saw Aaron uh, give a pre presentation recently. And what a segue, Aaron. She's, so, she's such a professional. Segue <laughs> right into PSMS like, uh, like a pro. Uh, yeah. I, hope, I hope it's not uh, coffee with jim and aaron after this but james, do you, i mean jane jim do you want to talk a little bit about that presentation and, and uh yeah I, you know i wanted to uh hand it off to aaron in a second but uh recently at the louisiana gas association 192 195 uh pipeline safety i'll call it summit conference it's a huge conference for years and it's the first virtual one they've done and I had the pleasure of uh, sitting in on Aaron's presentation on PSMS. And I have to tell you, Aaron, you knocked it out of the park. You, uh, again, like you're doing here, you, you're such a great presenter. But um, what James was talking about before was the passion that you had when you were speaking to it. It was just gripped us in. And uh, what's your thoughts on PSMS? It's such a buzzword right now. Yeah. Uh, how, what's, what's your feel, insight? What's your guidance for other people out in the industry? Yeah, you know, full disclosure, right? Full disclosure to your to your wide audience. You know, I was one of the folks when I first heard about it, I kind of sighed, if you will, and wondered, you know, really can this work? And I it's taken, you know, as pipeline safety management systems has really been talked about in our industry now, believe it or not, almost a decade, right? Since well, 2010. And even, you know, before that in various ways, shapes, and forms. Um, but it's still new, right? Like there's still people, we're all on this kind of um, journey to use the safety management system term of kind of accepting it and embracing it and figuring out what it means um, for each of us individually, not just for everyone at their systems um, and at their companies and utilities. Because I think it's not just gas utilities, right? Like we all can kind of take those safety management principles and apply them to what we do at work and even frankly what we do at home um you know i think that one of the important things is you know i appreciate what you said about the presentation with louisiana gas association and their pipeline safety conference and i really hope that at least i would say i, I just want one person <laughs> to get something out of each of these presentations and if i can do that then it was totally worth the time um right. and i you know, unfortunately, we're really kind of at that point in the safety management systems conversation where there's potential for this to not be voluntary. Like right now it's voluntary, right? And right now everyone can figure out what it means for them and they can apply it in a way that that's helpful and useful. And we're really at that kind of tipping point. And I just hope that folks kind of see the benefit of safety management and aren't scared by it because I really do think it is it can be helpful as soon as it becomes voluntary it's no longer about um what you think of safety and what your culture is at your organization and it becomes like did i create a plan and did i check all the boxes and 
my goal, yeah, my goal is, you know, not just for APGA, but for any, you know, pipeline operator that's listening or frankly, even contractors that work for them is that, hey, if you can start to do this now, we can kind of hedge off that idea of it becoming a requirement because I do think if it becomes a requirement, it loses its luster and it just doesn't work the way it was intended. Yeah. So we, we move from a proactive environment into a reactive, you know, prescriptive type of environment. And right. you, you nailed it with checking the box, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, so, and I'm not going to trash operator qualification. Uh, obviously there's a place and it's, it's done wonders. But it's the same thing now. We live in a world where it's like, okay, what do I got to do to meet the bare minimum? And yeah. that's a scary thing to think about when we're talking about pipeline safety. We could do a whole other segment on operator qualification. Well, well I guess uh, you know when when you when you said that you sighed, you know your first statement, you know you just kind of realize, hmm, I don't know if it's going to work. I felt like Steve Allen was somewhere crying when he reads when he hears that episode. He's just going to, you know. Put well, head. you know, it's honest, though. It's, and I think it's You're where right. a lot of people still are, right? You know, we've got to get them over sign and just kind of learning and then embracing. And you said one thing uh, at the LGA presentation that really stuck with me was get started. Do yeah. something. You know, you know, just take that first step. And uh, I think you folks are going to have a survey coming up for your uh, members, I believe. Is that, is that a correct statement? Yeah, so a couple of things. One is, you know, we're trying to help, uh, I, I say, create a safe space for the APGA membership to come and learn more and get started. Um, so we have a virtual workshop series. It's multi-part. Um, feel free to check it out on APGA's website for our membership. Um, but broader than the membership, APGA and actually Energy World Net partnered, what? Um, partnered to, to kind of give a, uh, we, APGA developed what we called our gap analysis tool for small operators. And what it really did is kind of took all those principles of safety management systems and put them in a multiple choice format. Just, I always say it does two things. One, it helps people even understand what safety management systems is in like bite-sized chunks. And then two is it really helps them start to understand where they are compared to what the API 1173 recommended practice um, tells, you know, recommends that they do. So you kind of get both and it's in a, again, a safe place that that tool, just like the workshop is a safe place. Just do it on your own. Don't feel like you need to share it with anyone. Um, and, and so we have that, but then I, I don't know if this is what you meant, but I'm going to put a plug and say that uh, coming soon, every fall, the industry does a industry wide survey and it's just really like, have you started, have you done a gap assessment and stuff? And that, really helps drive our up everyone up in dc's conversations um around with all the lawmakers and regulators and everyone else about hey we are doing this voluntary um right. so make sure if you're an operator and you're watching this watch for that survey <laughs> well, so. that sounds good aaron um obviously these times are strange we're all i don't know where you're at currently but it looks like you're at home i'm at home uh, <laughs> As a Jim's uh, at the beach, but uh, I'm also at home. Um, so being thrust into this world, what, how's that impacted APGA? And obviously, there's APGA events, and and some I think still coming up. What what does that look like? What's that pivot look like? And and I 
I'm going to speak honestly from, from I think a lot of people's perspective is, you know, it's, it's a hard thing to wrap your brain around on to make this transition. Uh, you know, we're, we're attending events. We're, we're doing the best we can. I know all of us want to do this in person, but we want to do it safely. So what's that look like for APGA? Yeah. So I think I mentioned earlier how small or small in the sense of number of employees, most of our membership has. Um, and so we've always tried to provide virtual venues for our membership because we know not everyone can attend an in-person event. Not everyone can kind of peel themselves away um, for a two to three day event, um, especially when they've got a system to run and they just, frankly, their bench is not that deep. Um, and so we've always tried to do that, but we've just kind of, um, I guess, screwed that those bolts down a little bit and said, hey, listen, we really need to provide great virtual content in little bite-sized chunks. And so kind of like what you guys are doing here, I think it's important that we remember who we are as an industry, you know, so much. I kind of talked about my first experience working in like a midstream company. I was in the field a lot. The last thing I wanted to do was sit down and watch like and do like a two hour training thing. Um, and trust me, I know APGA's members, the last thing they want to do is sit down for like three straight days and watch their computer screen. Like they just, no one wants, I, no one wants to do that. No one wants to sit in a chair for three days, nor do they have like the time and the luxury to do that. So we're trying to find ways to just give people, um, you know, recorded things that they can use um, and, and, and give it in that format so that they can kind of do it at their leisure and, um, and not have to dedicate an entire week or an entire day to an event. Um, so yeah, we're looking for innovative solutions like that. And then, you know, I personally hear time, and I know we talk about this as an industry time and time again about workforce development, right? And the fact that we need more ways to get training to individual um, companies and operators. And, and that comes in all sorts of forms, right? It's, it's training on a technical level, but it's also leadership development training um, and just, you know, training for new engineers, et cetera. So we hope that we're, we're trying to record as much as we can, um, especially when we kind of turn to our operations conference in October, so that we can build out this library that says, hey, you got a new engineer or someone new to the industry that doesn't know anything. We, we have a kind of, why not use this time to build up this library of online available content that can be used for training purposes later on. So not just think about it as a single event, but think about it um, across like forever, if you will. Like, give it, you give know, it saving some lives. yeah. That's kind of the cool part about these. And we've realized it too over this time is, you know, we've been doing webinars and, you know, this is a fun thing we do. We, we laugh with everybody and say, really, Jim and I started this as therapy, you know, yeah. so, so that we had someone to talk to because we're usually out on the road traveling, right? Um, but we've been offering webinars and things like that. And I mean, you're right. Being able to capture that and then have a library of things to pull from, but we do. And, you know, we have a large percentage of essential workers, obviously across our industry, but, um, there is a lot of, uh, I hate to say it this way, but almost a captive audience of the ones that are in the office and, and do need those skills. And so, 
being able to build that library and, and offer some of that content that they can parse through it almost at their leisure and cherry pick the things. Like you said, a lot of what the training we're seeing now is focus on leadership, focus on soft skills. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the past, that might have been something that, that would have been overlooked or not done in a traditional instructor-led training situation. Yeah. So we know, and I guess I'll just leave this topic with, you know, and try not to take it personally, I guess. We know everyone's super busy. Not everyone has microphones on their computers. Not everyone has cameras on their computers and just kind of be gracious with each other, right? Uh, I think in some ways it's been um, kind of, I don't know, heartwarming in a way to know that we're bonding right we're all in this together we all have technical issues and kids and dogs and amazon delivery is coming to our door and stuff and it's just just being gracious with each other and knowing like hey listen sometimes duty calls you can't be at your computer for the whole session and just kind of trying to roll with it and just don't take things personally right i hope i hope my daughter didn't hear you she'll come (laughs) again again uh, she's really good at it. Uh, it. It's funny that she's actually not been in an episode yet. Uh, <laughs> I'm surprised. Expect her to. For my been, dogs, you know, they've been running a lot of meetings. I can tell you that sitting on my lap. But you're right. Everybody's been so kind and so gracious and so patient, you know, during this and and how yeah. how long this continues, who knows? But uh, I hope that we can keep that up. That's a that's an awesome point to make. Yeah. And that almost that was a great, you know, I was going to wrap this up, but do you have any other final thoughts, Aaron, you want to share with us? That last one was absolutely fantastic. And again, for everybody to have that patience, I, I that those words will uh, stick with me because sometimes we lose track of that. So thank you for that. But any final words before we wrap? Oh, wait, James. I'll answer ahead. that, Aaron. Don't answer it. I have the perfect one. And this is a new thing. I really want to work in. And I, I ask it to a lot of people. Not even in our industry. I mean, in general, I may be at the store and run across somebody and and have a conversation. But a question I like to ask, especially you today, Aaron, is do you love what you do? Oh. Do I love what? Yeah. I mean, I love what I do. I think more I love the people I work with. Um, You know, you can you know, paint or whatever, if you're with fun people and you're with people that encourage you and challenge you and make you want to do your job even better, then it is easy to love what you do, regardless of what it is. Right. So yes, I love what I do. I love what, who I do it with even more. Um, I got cold chills. I I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Right. We gotta like, I mean, I love my husband. We have, such great, we have such great teams and, and that yeah. team sometimes is, it explain, expands out into our industry more than even just, you know, the, the close-knit people that we work with. We work with so many people across this industry and sit in committees and boards and, you know, all, all right, those you gotta like You got to like those people. There's so many great people in our industry. I love the industry. Right. And I love it for those reasons. It's uh, right. it is family to me. and. Uh, yeah. I think that's a common thread that we all share here. Yeah. Well, thank you. Absolutely. Um, It was, Aaron, we want to thank you greatly for being on another tremendous episode. This will be the best episode of Coffee with Jim and James all week. 
I guarantee it. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. You are a breath of fresh air. You're, uh, you light up the screen. Uh, your passion for the industry, passion for people, passion for everything you do just shines through. And on behalf of James and I, we can't thank you enough for being on here. We want to encourage our listeners and our watchers that if you want to connect with Aaron, please do uh, follow the APGA, you know, go to that website, follow them, get some great insight, get some great information. And as always, if you want to connect with James and I, please do so. And if you have an idea for a coffee with Jim and James, shoot James or I a message and we would love to talk to you about that. So until next week, unless we're canceled, which I don't think we're going to be, we're on a roll. We have until one more week for sure now. God bless you. God bless our industry. Everybody, please stay safe and have a great week. And we will see you soon. Thanks, Thanks Aaron. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you.